Welcome to the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sandra Pagenta. I'm a doctorally prepared nurse practitioner, and I am so glad you decided to join me today. The Dr. Nurse Podcast is a podcast for nurses and nurse practitioners that are wanting to understand what exactly their degrees can do for them. After the birth of my son, I had this aching desire to have more flexibility in my career choices, despite feeling like all the alphabet soup after my name didn't really afford me very many options. I launched the podcast to find the answers that I so desperately needed. I also knew I couldn't be the only nurse who felt this way. Does this sound like you? If so, come and hang out with me as I figure out what our nursing degrees can give us access to as far as career flexibility, control over our schedules, and entrepreneurship by talking with NPs and RNs who are doing exactly that. Sit back and enjoy the conversation. Before we start the episode, I want to tell you about a sponsor of the Dr. Nurse Podcast, Latrina Walden Exam Solutions, or LWES. The founder, Latrina Walden, shows you how to transition from RN to NP by helping you prepare and pass your NP boards. She has live and on-demand study reviews and courses, as well as a test bank questions to teach you everything you need to know to help you pass your NP board exams. She has personally guided over 30,000 students through their journey from RN to NP with a 98% pass rate, guys. That's huge, right? I have been going through her test bank, actually, and it was a much needed refresher. She also has a community for practicing NPs if you are looking for connection and networking. I have linked her in the show notes, so check her out and let's support nurse-owned businesses. Dr. Nurse Podcast fam, welcome to another episode of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. Today I have on Shira Page. She is a nurse practitioner and is the Bobby Medical Community Manager for the Bobby Formula Company. Her career has centered around improving clinical care of people in their most challenging moments. She studied nutrition and dietetics and and followed by a master's in nursing at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Her expertise is in endocrinology, women's health, and weight medicine. She worked as a nurse practitioner in Mount Urban Hospital, focusing on endocrine concerns during pregnancy postpartum. After becoming a mom, she saw firsthand the challenges of infant feeding and became a certified lactation consult- certified lactation counselor before joining Bobby. She serves as the medical director, as we said earlier, at um, the Community Continuing Medication Medical Education Company. At a continuing, oh, you did that before you were at Bobby? I think I read that yeah. in your history. Yeah. You yeah. you served as a medical director at a community, at, at a, con, I cannot say that word, continuing education ed- company. And she was designing clinical education materials, I'm assuming, to improve patient outcomes. And she lives in Boston with her husband and her two babies. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. Yeah, yeah. So happy to have you on. I'm really excited to be here. I am a big fan. I just love nurse podcasts that talk about career. I think, you know, like five years ago, there weren't that many of them. And I, that was when I was really at a turning point in my career. And I was trying to like soak up any information that was out there, find other people in the space who were looking to make career changes or look outside of clinical care. And I felt totally alone and isolated. Mm. And now that industry is like booming and people like you are paving the way to elevate nurses and make them feel like the world is their oyster. And there are just so many options out there and empower them in their careers. And 
that's making it so easy. So thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for doing this work as a new mom, life deep in it. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for saying all that. That is so just kind, very, very kind, Shira. So when you reached out to me about the podcast, I was so excited to to talk about the thing that we're going to talk about today, which is a little bit about your career, kind of how you got started, what you're doing, and then also the conversation around breast milk, formula, mom shame, and that whole, like, that whole thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off a little bit with you just telling us kind of what your job is. Most people don't even know what a medical community manager is. I don't know, you know, fully. I know a little bit now that I've met you. But outside of that, kind of explain to my listener who's just like, wait, what is she? Kind of what you do for a living. And then, yeah, we'll dive into the other things. Totally. So actually, my title has changed a bit. It's medical partnerships manager now. Because I think, you know, medical community manager and partnerships are very similar. But we started focusing a little bit more on the partnerships aspect of things. So I joined Bobby almost a year ago now. I was coming from, like you noted, from the continuing medical education space, which is very much entrenched in farming. And I was a medical director there, including clinical content and assisting with the development of a strategy to get funding from pharmaceutical companies for education. And I was kind of looking for something that felt more mission-driven and aligned with something that I was super passionate about. Really, I wanted to be in the women's health space for a very long time. Obsessed with maternity and motherhood, infant feeding my whole life. Obviously, pursued certification counselor certification. We had a lot of women's health in my clinical career in technology. And so this role at which was really working to engage clinicians. So got them to know we a new infant not on the market, but also just help to improve infant feeding clinical care through provider education. As you and I probably both know, infant feeding some knowledge gap with clinical care. So, you know, if you are a physician, even in pediatric residency, you're getting clinical education in general. If you are a nurse practitioner, even in a family nurse practitioner track, you're maybe getting like an hour of didactic education on that topic, unless you seek it out. If you are a labor and delivery nurse, even if you are set up to pursue your IBCLC within doing labor and delivery nurse care, you can had very limited mentorship and just have someone signing off on your hours. So there's all these spaces for just massive gaps to be created in the end point, which is providers supporting parents in infant feeding and not having the knowledge or evidence-based to do so. So that's something I'm really passionate about fixing. And part of my role is creating education so that we can fill that gap. I also help Healthcare providers just get content around infant feeding, help to understand our product both on the ground in medical offices, at medical conferences, through continuing education, content resources, and then very focused on creating a community of healthcare providers that are passionate about infant feeding and they kind of see this dichotomy that exists in the infant feeding narrative, which is either that breastfeeding is the only way that parents should feed at all costs, regardless of what's going on with them or their babies or how challenging it is or their situation of the feeding experience. Or on the flip side, 
meeting are just like, well, you know, this isn't really working out. Like, here's formula. Just it's not that big a deal. Just go and do it. And they're not acknowledging parents that maybe breastfeeding is really important to them. So I'm trying to get rid of that dichotomy and bring providers together to have more nuanced conversations about this topic so that we can actually support parents in reaching their goals and feeling like this is an empowering experience from start to finish instead of something that has just become so wrought with shame and suffering and just people dread like people started to have started kind of dread feeding their babies when they get pregnant and start to think about new motherhood because all they hear are horror stories or they don't feel like they have uh, time and space or resources to feed their baby they want the way they want to or they know that they're going to feed their baby in a way that they're not going to feel supported in doing so both breastfeeding and formula feeding parents tend to feel this way Either they feel like they're shamed by their family or their healthcare provider, or they're doing the wrong thing, or their friends are all doing something different. So healthcare providers are really at the center of this. And my job allows me to give them the tools and resources to make this a better experience and also bring in more evidence-based care to this clinical domain where it's really lacking. Yeah. And that is a very interesting way to use your nursing degree and the ability and what you've learned through your experience as a nurse practitioner to actually be able to have a corporate job, to work in corporate America and be able to bring that side, almost the humanistic side of the people that you are creating the formula for, you're actually bringing what I, what I kind of see is this humanistic side to, hey, listen, how do we bridge those gaps between what the medical community is doing, between the patient, between what we're providing as a formula company? And I think that's actually really, really cool. And I, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm staying true to what I believe. And, and again, I think this is just something for me personally here, the Dr. Nurse podcast, that I believe breastfed, breastfed babies and babies that are breastfed is the best thing for them. As a healthcare professional, we know that milk comes, that comes from you as the mama is the best and that the children that are breastfed have lower rates of ear infections, diarrhea, vomiting, helps reduce the rate of type 2 diabetes in mothers, as well as certain cancers. We know that it's an active food, right? That it has enzymes that and live cells that tailor to your baby's need day in, day out. These are concepts that are just irrefuted in the literature. And we know that that's, these things are true. However, I also know, and that you've said very briefly, that there are situations that make it hard for moms, right? We've talked a little bit about systemic issues, such as lack of maternity leave, these things that moms don't have access to, they don't have support at home. There aren't obvious and and always easily accessible resources like like lactation consultants, things like that, that help bridge those gaps that you're having if you are breastfeeding and kind of like what you're saying, dreading every moment of breastfeeding. However, what I think and what I really wanted to create a conversation around was, you know, as formula companies and as a company that's creating formula, they have an obligation to provide a certain formula quality. And then as parents, we have to make those decisions. We also know that not all formulas are created equal and that there are, like we said earlier, there are circumstances that prevent moms from doing that. Again, you could have had a breast augmentation surgery that can cause you to not produce milk. There are real, real things that people are dealing with that make it hard to breastfeed. I found an interesting last night when I was doing research that 84% of American babies are breastfed at birth. And then by three months, that number has fallen to 50%. And then by six months, that number is down to 25%. 
So 75% of babies are getting some type of formula by six months, right? I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. So we can we can, you know, walk around the nuance, but we can also realize that no, these things are things that we're having to deal with as parents. And so we're hoping that there is someone who bridging the gap between the medical community and the providers and us as the parents. So I think that's really, really interesting and good to talk about. And again, this is a global issue that we've got to chat. And again, Bobby is actually what I purchased. I purchased two cans prior to having my baby. I am eight weeks postpartum and I purchased your formulas for my daughter just in case I wasn't able to produce milk because I need to feed my baby. And so I felt like your formula was the best that I did my research on. I'm only speaking for myself. This is not coming from them. I did my own research and felt like this was the best thing. And so I actually supported your company. So I was glad again to chat with you about it today, giving all of that and feeling that way. So tell me a little bit about why you feel like this culture is there surrounding moms and the guilt that we feel about kind of feeling pushed to breastfeed versus supplementing or yeah, kind of where this stems from and your experience kind of where you've been working. What have you been getting from people? Yeah. Well, thank you for everything you just shared as well. I think it's interesting and might be be helpful to provide some context just to share a little bit about my own became story. My mom is actually or was a law latching league leader when I was growing up. And if you aren't familiar with law latching league, advocacy organization, international, they've done a lot of fantastic work in this space for getting breastfeeding educational support. On the flip side. They are incredibly dogmatic about breastfeeding and do not allow any sort of discussion of formula whatsoever. They're very focused on attachment parenting and the parents being with their babies 24-7 to allow them to breastfeed, which, you know, is fantastic and is a deal that does not fit into many lifestyles. It, it's not inclusive of parents who are not lactating parents or couples that do not have a lactating parent. And it doesn't really align very well with parents who are working 40 hours, 40 hours plus, having to go back to work at six weeks. Mm -hmm. It also just doesn't align with some people's preferences. So, you know, I think it's important to incorporate in this conversation, you brought up a lot examples for why someone may not be able to breastfeed at all or why they may be not able to breastfeed exclusively and why they may need supplementation. Those are so many situations like that. And I also just want to call out to parents who maybe feel for whatever reason that this isn't the choice for them. Because those things exist, I don't think they owe it to you or I or to their healthcare provider or to their friends or their mother-in-law to necessarily have a reason, right? Like it's their body and their baby and that's their decision. And I just want to be respectful of that because there are so many reasons, whether it is their mental health, whether it's a history of trauma, whether it's how they just envision their parenting journey or you know, I have a, a very close friend who is planning to get pregnant in the next year who just has like severe anxiety around health and body. And she's already made the decision that she's going to exclusively formula feed. And it's just because she knows that it will destroy her parenting experience to try 
to have another thing involved that involves her body being self-sufficient. That's definitely something to digest and like work on. And it's not ideal that she feels that way, but she's made that decision. And I would just want to respect all those people that have decided that that is not the decision for them. Going back to the thing that you said before, it is true from CDC data, we know that about 75% of U.S. parents will use formula in the first year. And there's other research that calls out that about two-thirds of the parents will feel guilty about doing it. So two-thirds of parents who use formula to feed their baby in some capacity will feel guilty about that. Just this morning, I was talking to an IBCLC who works in the New York City area, and she was sharing with me that, you know, she sees parents who like have gone through traumatic births or have been septic post-birth and had to supplement because obviously they're not creating a full milk supply after that. And they're like wrought with guilt about doing that. I had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do that when my son was born in the NICU. He was born with blood sugar issues and my milk hadn't come in. And so we had to supplement with formula while he was in the NICU for four days. And so, yes, I 100% agree with you. I didn't have, and again, can you imagine? Like, I feel awful. This birth experience has gone traumatically the wrong way. I don't, I did not even, you know, again, C-section, all the things. And he's in the ICU. I never got to hold him, like, until the first, like, for the first four hours. I didn't even know where he was. I mean, it was very traumatic. And so then I go up there and see him and my milk's not here and he's hungry. And he's hungry because he has a blood sugar issue that's causing him to need nutrition immediately. And so we have to, we have to formulate, I had to supplement with formula right from the get, right? I didn't have an option because my kid needed food. So again, I totally agree with you. There are many situations that require you to use formula and, and, and you do feel awful because not only has this experience not gone the way that I wanted, the trauma of birth, but now the feeding part, the part that I'm supposed to be naturally equipped to do, I can't do right now. I've got to feed him again, or like, the way that I don't want further furthering the trauma of this is not what I want and but I have to do it so yes I totally agree with you yeah that's and it's so unfortunate it like breaks my heart to think about because this is such a this is such a magical time or has the potential to be such a magical time and entering into parenthood and birth and feeding your baby also the ability to be in green and there's just so many touch points where it has become a disempowering experience that creates trauma that sets people up to feel like they lost something or they should have had it differently. I think when you mentioned C-sections or surgical births and that, there's a great parallel in ways. We're really starting to like shift the narrative on that, but to feel like the only way to have a quote-unquote successful birth is to have like a non-medicated or vaginal delivery. You don't get a shirt for that, by the way. You don't you don't get a shirt at the end of it for doing it that way. So bring on the up and down. And then it's just so like it just colors their whole postpartum experience to feel like they had that option taken away from them. And you know, I don't want to sidetrack us getting into all the nuances of birth as the, the birth system and choice in birth. Like that's a whole nother conversation, but I do think it is a good parallel because you would never have an OBYN go to a parent and say, well, 
you know, if you don't have a vaginal delivery, like you're doing second best and like, we need to keep pushing and risk your health and the health of your baby and put everything on the line to make sure that you have a vaginal delivery. And in some ways, that's kind of what's happening in a lot of breastfeeding care, that it's just this like one track mind that there's no room for a conversation. There's no way in a risk and benefit. And I think for me and thinking about the healthcare provider and how they can improve it, there isn't shared decision-making. So we know as healthcare providers that if you are going to talk to a patient about an intervention, about a medication, any decision of their you should be using shared decision-making and that should be a decision that you're making together where you help to understand the patient's goals and preferences you share with them some medical information or facts. You lay out the questions for them with your clinical mm-hmm. insight. And then you work together to find how those things intersect. I do not see providers empowered or educated to do that with infant feeding. I see that they have two sides of the coin and they're either pushing one thing or dismissing it. But I don't see that they know how to take the time to help patients navigate that complexity. And I think that that's really something that we can all work on. It's something that I'm trying to work on in the education that we put out about in the community that we're building. Because I think the more and more that providers who touch the patient journey in the first year of life are able to have those conversations, the more impact. Thank you. Journey and feel like they're walking into something as a decision that's supporting their goals rather than as having their options stripped from them out of necessity. Thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you're enjoying the conversation. I wanted to take this time and remind you to check out the Success NP Etsy shop. It's a shop that I design with my best girlfriend, cute nurse practitioner gear, hats, bags, anything you could think of, as well as adorable digital products, mom life stuff. So resources for nurses to come. We're just excited about our shop. It's another way to support the podcast and to get really cool gear. Check it out and be sure to tell your friends about the podcast as well as the Etsy shop if you'd like. And what I'm building here, any promotion, any sharing helps build my audience and I greatly appreciate it. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah. And I think what you're describing there is the crutch, the crutch of it, right? Which is, what are your goals? Everybody has different goals. And that's why when things don't go as you want, as you see planned, either in birth or with breastfeeding, then you do feel a level of guilt, shame, all these different concepts around it because you had these expectations that things were going to be a certain way, which is why when my birth went very differently than what I envisioned, it was the expectation of what I thought versus the reality of what it was. And so again, for me at that point, the goals shifted, right? So I was just like, I'm just going to focus in on doing the best that I can to breastfeed my baby at, at my pace. And so whenever we're home, we'll do the, you know, like, so that became the shift, right? That became the shift, but I never let the goal of what I wanted to, to be altered. I was going to do the best that I could. And I think that's the part that we need to give each other a little more grace on is doing the best that you can in the situation that you had. And I agree with you. If an OBGYN were to have said that to me in the moment, then I would have been like, 
okay, well, do I keep trying? Like it would have put me at risk, right? And so now when she leaned over the drape and said, hey, mama, you did the best thing right now for that baby that you he needed to come out. That was comforting to my soul, right? And so, and I have it ingrained in my memory. And I, you know, unless something happens to my brain, I will always remember her leaning over the drape and telling me that we saved him and that was the right thing to do. And in those moments, you know, when you're just like laying there completely helpless and and having this major abdominal surgery to, you know, have your baby out into the world, you need to hear those things. You need to hear, again, what I want moms to hear, which is you are doing the best you can in the situation that you are in. And I think that's the 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 rhetoric that we need to hear. Now, there are some moms that are just not doing the best that they can. They don't want to do the best that they can. And that's a whole nother class of people, right? Like, we can't pretend like that stuff doesn't exist. There are moms that are not doing the best that they can. But there are, I think, the majority of mothers that are doing the best that they can in the situations that they're in. And that's that's the stuff that need, the mom's guilt and the mom's shame has got to stop around because we are all, for the most part, trying to do the best that we can in the situations that we're in. And again, protecting your mental health, protecting, you know, again, if your vision is for something else and your goals are for something else, then do those things because that's what works for you. And I think that that is kind of where the, what's really where the buck stops really is where you feel like, hey, listen, this is good for my life. And you have to live with whatever that will be. And we all have to make those decisions in our life towards different things at every moment of the day. And so, yeah, I think having that conversation and providers kind of standing in the gap and letting people know if this is what's best for you and if this aligns with your goals, then I'll walk with you alongside of that and I'll support you. I'm going to present to you the truth. I'm going to present to you the facts, but I'm also going to take into your situation specifically so that we can tailor a plan that works with your goals. I believe that's what we as healthcare providers have a responsibility to do. And so, yeah. So how would you recommend, you know, those are, that's kind of my feeling about it is again, reverberating almost like mantra like status. This is what works for me. How do you think that women can combat this mom guilt, especially circling around feeding, feeding their baby? Yeah. I mean, I think that what you said is really aligned with a lot of the things that we've talked about at Bobby. We had a campaign in the fall about combination feeding and that one of the mantras was that your best is best, right? Like, I think that that messaging is so important. And I think that expectations versus reality concept that you brought up is actually a perfect starting place. So that is kind of, those expectations are how you create a vision of what success looks like for you and what an empowered and positive experience looks like. And so I think there's a lot of education that can happen there about shaping those expectations. And I think it's a really sticky topic, to be quite honest. Breast milk is sticky, by the way. Breast milk is sticky. Breast milk is sticky. Formula is sticky. Yes. I think that, you know, we actually have a research study coming out that I'll be excited to share on expectations versus what the actual experience is and how that impacts mental health. And there's been other research in this space too, specifically around feeding. But in the conventional kind of lactation education space, there is this idea that you never want to kind of talk negatively about breastfeeding and how challenging it might be or about how you might need formula outside of like very severe scenarios because 
you just you don't want to like scare parents away from breastfeeding and so i think that's kind it's kind of pulled the wool over the eyes of parents in some ways like you know they hear things from their friends but like it would be really nice if we were able to have really transparent conversations that were both educational and empowering to set people up for a feeding experience so helping them understand all the different touch points where they may face challenges and to understand the statistics, to understand their own scenario, like, you know, if someone is going into a surgical birth or if they're having a premature baby for really explaining and educating what their feeding experience may be like, which is often left out of the conversation and allowing that to be something that isn't seen as this dark, like creeping thing that's going to sabotage their potential to be successful at breastfeeding, but as something that's actually going to help them have more realistic expectations and have a, a clearer vision of all the different ways that they can feed their baby so that they're not completely blindsided and feel like the vision that they have is just smashed and now they're doing this thing that they feel totally crappy about so it is challenging because those resources both from the clinical providers and just in general are you know they're not as prominent as we would like them to be eating classes that we participate in and honestly i'm kind of ashamed to say some of the ones that i used to lead for prenatal parents were we didn't talk about formula at all except to help parents figure out how to navigate avoiding formula use when it's recommended in the hospital in certain situations because that is what you are taught in a lot of the lactation education and i think that there's an opportunity there to have providers and lactation educators include a more holistic conversation so that people feel like they understand everything that is on the table for them and how they can use it as a tool, just like we use medication as a tool or therapy as a tool to make a feeding journey that works for them. So I've built out a clinician network and also a network of partners in the medical space called Feeding Friendly. And those partners are committed to providing that sort of education. So whether it's a pediatric provider or a parenting education platform, Maybe you can go there and know that the content that you're getting is go not going to like gatekeep information about infant feeding and is going to make sure that you understand the full spectrum of how you can navigate your own situation, what the options are. So I think that getting seeking out that type of education is really important on the patient side. And then I always just kind of add on the provider side. But I honestly think the biggest thing is listening and really hearing what parents are telling you. You know, we we all want to think that we're very good at this, but many providers are stuffed with time and resources. And, you know, especially I really feel for pediatric providers seeing babies, they get a lot of heat for not being good at, at navigating infant feeding and not, you know, supporting breastfeeding, but like they have 15 minutes to do a full newborn and parent assessment. Then to navigate this very complex topic, that should really have like an hour explain involved. So they've just really taking the time to listen to the parent and hear where they're at. That is just so essential. 
yeah helping to you know take the shame out of things i think that you know the more that we can create team-based care to do that as well is really helpful so if you feel like you don't have the time in the office to address the situation like bringing in a team of mental health professionals lactation and feeding support providers who can do that of getting on the phone with the ob and talking to them about what you're seeing postpartum so that you can all collaborate together to make sure this parent is supported in the healthcare space. Yeah. I think what you're saying and what I'm hearing most most from that from that speech is that basically we've got to support moms better. And that's kind of what I would like this podcast episode to really say is that if you're a mom, a nurse mom, or a provider that is listening and you're just like, wait a minute, like I haven't really thought about this again listening to what women are saying and hearing them and then referring them to the appropriate resources can keep someone who's trying to breastfeed if those are her goals breastfeed and if there's a woman that is listen I don't want to do this anymore I'm tired exhausted mentally fatigued it's affecting my mental health whatever whatever it is I'm not making enough my baby's not gaining weight the myriad of things that can be going on then having those conversations and and again refocusing goals and saying, hey, listen, if we're going to do this and these, this is the reality of what we're doing and these are the resources that we have and taking that time um, will keep people successful or will help people make the lives that they want with, you know, with their feeding journey with their children and will make them a better parent. Because if you're not, you know, feeling like you're being heard and supported, we've heard recently in the news that there was a mother that, you know, hurt herself and her three children and you look and you're just like people are are really dealing with a lot of mental health issues and again as healthcare providers we have the unique opportunity of stepping into these people's lives every so often and seeing how things are going and I think that we can have like you said those conversations and refer people for those that are wondering what those resources are you know lactation consultants are always available and again they're not in every area so you've got to seek them out if they're not there that was one of the things that i remember the nurse as i was leaving the hospital the lactation consultant nurse she came into the room and i've been waiting for her all morning and cuz she's busy and so she she was surprised to see me again cuz she had helped me with my breastfeeding with my first and she said my goodness you had another baby i said yeah i did and we were talking and then she said, you know, most people leave before I get here because they don't want to wait for me. And I told her, I said, I would not have left until you got here because I wanted to have this conversation with you. And so reframing your mindset around that, like, oh, it's OK, I'll just go home and figure it out when I get home. It's like, no, I'm not going to leave until I have that conversation with the lactation consultant to, uh, to get help. Because I was when my daughter was latching, it was not going well. And I was getting a little frustrated because it was hurting. And I mean. Pain is a pretty good driver to get you to stop doing something. And so when she came into the room and she helped me with breastfeeding, I looked up at her and I was like, you're a miracle. And she was like, she just laughed, you know, she was just like, what are you talking about? I was like, it doesn't hurt. And so again, like, can you imagine a mom that's at home, like with chap nipples and she's hurting and she's miserable? I mean, these are things that, again, you know, when you're in the hospital in those moments, don't leave until you see them and make sure you get a little bit of hand on the ground help. And yeah, as you go to postpartum appointments, like speak up if things are not going well, because sometimes doctors don't have the time to even ask you. So you've got to speak up. You've got to do that work. So I really want to empower people to not be expecting systems to reach out to them because the systems are broken and they're over, over, overworked. And so be quick to speak up for yourself. And I think 
that's something I really feel passionate to say. So I'm going to say it. So Shira, tell me again to, to kind of finish up and, and, and wrap up the podcast here. Tell me, what is it that, what is your vision again for providers and, you know, nurse practitioners and lactation consultants and parents to really know about formula? If you could give them one take home formula versus breastfeeding. I know you can't speak on the specifics of the formula that you make, your company makes, but could you kind of give us kind of a take-home message that you're really wanting to provide to my listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, you really teed it up right there by asking formula versus breastfeeding, because what I would love for both providers and for patients, and as we shift the narrative about infant feeding, moving forward and try to innovate in this space is that we stop having to be breastfeeding versus formula and we start talking about feeding holistically and that it, it doesn't become this black or white thing. I think there is such a tendency to keep things black and white in the health space. You know, you're a crunchy mama or you're like feeding your kids Doritos or you're sleep training or your attachment therapy. And, you know, I think most of us who are seasoned healthcare providers and parents realize that that is not reality. And I think that it sets people up for failure because you can't really exist in those spaces. And for a lot of us, you know, a lot of Bobby parents, statistically, many parents who are working or just parents who are feeding are also using breast milk in some capacity. And so creating this division where you have to live on one side of the aisle isn't serving anywhere. And I would argue that it's actually hurting the progression of breastfeeding education because we're saying you're not allowed in this club unless you can do it exclusively. Mm -hmm. So I think that the more that we can see this as a spectrum of infant feeding, both in the way we care for patients and in the way we go into our own journeys, the better everyone will feel, the more successful patients will feel, the less disempowered they'll feel, the less shame they'll feel, and the more healthcare providers will feel like they are able to support people because they don't have to just squish them into a box. Mm -hmm. So that would really be the number one thing that, you know, I hope personally that I'm passionate about and also that I'm striving for in the way we engage healthcare audiences at Bobby and what we're working for in creating a community of feeding friendly practitioners and healthcare clinics. And there's a lot of work to be done in that space. Like it's going to take a long time. Yeah. But, but we've seen such positive reception because I think so many people see this problem and they see that it's not serving themselves in their practice or didn't serve them when they were parents and that it's, it's disempowering to parents in their feeding journey. So yeah. excited to continue doing that work. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think it's so great that this company has hired a nurse to work in this space because we know that nurses, that's what our thing is, right? Is we care about people and people matter. And again, what you're saying over and over again is we're trying to put what the person wants at the center and move towards that goal, whichever that is. We want to support however you want that feeding journey to look like. And I love the economist, Emily Oyster, Oster, I think it's her name. Emily Otter, um, yeah. Yeah, no, she's so smart. And I'm reading her book, Crib Sheets, 
And I've read Expecting Better and I'm, I read, I'm reading currently Crib Sheet. And so she talks a little bit about breastfeeding and she's, you know, kind of combating really what does the data show, right? And, and those, again, I encourage you to read the book yourself. I'm, I've actually just started in, I think I'm on like chapter two or something like that. I was reading it at my doctor's appointment in the waiting room. And I just thought it was so interesting to see her perspective as she looks at the data to kind of, you know, again, work that exact line is pretty much where she comes back to. Right. And so she comes back to, if it works for you, it works. And so do it. And yet, you know, but what does the data show? And so I, I'm having a, an interesting time reading that and, and hearing the perspective of it's maybe not this thing that we touted as in the, in, in the data. And so again, guys, read it on your own. If you make your own decisions and your own, you know, opinions on that, that you can take. But I think it does kind of let up a little bit on moms for feeling like you're failing because is the data even showing that if you do these things, that they will really make a change in the outcomes, which I find very interesting. So yes, I think that there is so much more discussion that can be had in the more educated healthcare nurse-driven perspectives we can have in the space, the better we will all be. Because I think that is the sign of intelligence of a community is to be able to hold two separate ideas and in your brain and to battle them out for yourself, right? And I think that for me, kind of like what you're saying, being that black and white, that's fine, but hold them both and let them battle in the moment, right? You could have both thoughts in your brain, like, oh, breast is best. Oh, you know, formula is best. And, but at the same time, hold those two thoughts and see if there's some middle ground that we can live in where we can protect people's mental health. We can support people that don't have systems that really support them. Because the most successful women at breastfeeding are those women that stay home. Well, not all of us get to stay home. So how do we, how do we, you know, navigate those spaces and, then how do we not throw guilt on the moms that are doing their best? Because best is what you can do. That's all that you can guarantee. And so, yeah, thank you for saying all that. Thank you for having this conversation with me around it. I definitely think it's something that we need to be doing more of. So thank you, Shira, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours, but it's been, it's been really fantastic. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. So for the last part of the interview, Shira, I do rapid fire. So I'm going to give you some rapid fire. Are you ready? Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I do don't be afraid. So I have to, I feel like that's a disclaimer. My brain no, you're good. at like 75%, but I will try. No, you're good. If you had to give a book to somebody, what would it be? Oh gosh. It would be Arrows, the Bittersweet. Oh, I've never heard of that. I'll check it out. It's what are French. It's poetry. It's poetry. French poetry. Okay. I like that. And what are you watching on Netflix? What are you Netflix and chilling these days? It's on Netflix, but I'm watching Succession, and I just finished Cheer, which I know is very 2020, but I highly recommend if you haven't watched it, that you go back and watch it. Very 2020. And, oh, season. If you had to pick a season of the year that you feel like embodies you that you would want to run all throughout the year, what season would it be? Definitely spring. Spring and spring. is hard to eat. Yeah, spring, spring, spring. I was going to say, I feel like you're a fall person. I don't know why. I just got like fall vibes from you. But then I think it's maybe your shirt. I, I was know. going back and forth between spring and fall. But spring, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of poetry and being deep, spring is like the hope of something new. So, <laughs> yes, love it. Love yeah. it. Well, thank you, Shira, for your time. And guys, again, don't forget to enjoy the journey of your careers. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, Emma, Mama, Papa, I love you, Mama.
and thanks for listening. Me. So that's a wrap. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And leave me a review if you like the show. I would love to get five stars. The Doctor Nurse Podcast is on the World Wide Web, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, and TikTok. Subscribe to my newsletter for updates on new podcast episodes and other information to help you on your own nursing journey. You can always message me at the Dr. Nurse Podcast at gmail.com with any career professions that you are interested in hearing about. And just a friendly reminder, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used in substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or professional advice or services.